Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Good morning. My name is Brad Durness. I'm the district superintendent for the Michigan District, spanning 26 counties, representing 69 churches, all in the palm of the Michigan hand. We want to welcome you to family camp service. We wish you could be in person, but I'm glad you're joining us by this webcast. If the general superintendents had told us two years ago that every church in our denomination needs to be online in the next year, we would have laughed in their face. But COVID has pushed us to, the, to be webcasters in a matter of weeks. So now you can join us in this way, and it doesn't seem unfamiliar or weird. So welcome. We're glad you're here. Let's pray together. Our gracious Father, we thank you for your presence here in this place. And we pray that as we uh, broadcast this across the district to our churches, that we will experience the, the, the whispers of the Spirit to our hearts. May we be drawn into your presence, and may we be uh, equipped to be the church you've called us to be. We thank you for the Michigan District, and as we gather together in this way, Lord, I pray that you help us to feel connected by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If I took 10 gallons of gasoline, like two of these cans would represent, we could make um, a pretty dramatic explosion. If I were to pour that on a, 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 a pile of sticks and twigs and throw a match on that, I guarantee you, I'm speaking from experience, we would have a large explosion. It would be quite dramatic. But if you took this same gasoline and put it in the tank of my Ford Escape, I could drive 300 miles across the state of Michigan to, uh, to visit your churches. Explosions often get more press than just ordinary life. Many people like explosions. We'll stand in the street to watch one, or we'll gather at the 4th of July to to see all the fireworks. Explosions are impressive. Well, in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we have an explosion of sorts. It's the fulfillment of a promise that God gave to send His Holy Spirit. In a way, this, this explosion came in a way that shocked the disciples. The Spirit's power was unleashed like no one had ever experienced before. And Peter shares the amazing promises of God that this Holy Spirit would be available to anyone who believes. And people gathered in the streets to see what those crazy Christ followers were up to today. Boom! There it happened. God came on Pentecost through His Spirit, and people got to experience the message of God in ways they never had before. It was a dramatic way, perhaps one of the most dramatic ways in all of Scripture. The Holy Spirit set the church on fire, and all of Jerusalem wanted to see what was happening. And similar experiences happened all the way through the book of Acts. Uh, as we look at the early church, we see some that is just as spectacular and others that are less. But, uh, and even the gospel being taken more than 300 miles to across the, uh, the continents to t- tell the story of Christ. And for 2,000 years, the story is continuing. 
sometimes in explosive ways and other times in more transformative ways than explosive. I heard one man tell a dramatic story of God's work in his life. He said, I don't know about Jesus turning water into wine, but I know that at my house, he turned beer into groceries, books, and furniture. The transforming power of Christ is available to his church. Now, in the movies, explosions gather the most attention. Uh, they, they get the most box office uh, uh, sales. They're exciting. And this summer we had one of our, those very things happen. Top Gun was one of those exploding kind of movies. But perhaps the ones with a moral uh, uh, lesson or a thought-provoking story shape us more than the explosions. When it comes to us as Christ followers and churches seeking to impact the world, we, have, uh, we are not all that we are made to be. When everything that we do in our lives and in our churches can be explained apart from the ongoing work and presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Did you hear that, mess, that, that phrase? If we can explain it without including the story of the Holy Spirit empowering something transformational, something different, then it's just us working and not the Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it says, The Spirit of, Christ, of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you. A.W. Tozer said this, We may as well face it. The whole level of spirituality among us is low, he said. We have measured ourselves by ourselves until the incentive to seek higher plateaus and new things of the Spirit is all but gone. We have imitated the world. We have sought popular favor, manufactured delights to substitute for the joy of the Spirit, and produced a cheap synthetic power to substitute for the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, friends, that was written more than 50 years ago. A.W. Tozer died in 1963. Now, God is not just one more thing we add to the mix called life. He wants to give us an invitation to permeate everything, to be a part of all of who we are. In the letters to the Galatians church, Paul writes these words, that we are to walk in the Spirit, or we are to keep step in the Spirit. I want to read a passage of Scripture to you from Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning at verse 19, and it says this. I'm reading from the New Living Translations. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By His death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a high priest who rules over the God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting Him. Our guilty consciences have been uh, sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly, without wavering, to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep His promise. Let us think of the ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, And let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Get this for a moment. This this description to the Jewish Christians that they could go into the very presence of God. 
For us who have, are living in the New Testament principles, who, have, who have, are so far away from the temples of Jerusalem, so far away from the high priest who was the only one ever allowed to enter into the Holy of Holies, this doesn't sound that remarkable. We, we can imagine sitting at, at a table with Jesus. We can imagine in our hearts and our minds that kind of intimate re- inter- interaction. But to the people that, that were, being, uh, were reading this letter, that was news to them. That was dramatic news to them. That was explosive news. That the Holy of Holies, the place where only the high priest could enter, is now open to us all. We can go, as he says, right into the presence of God. Or one translation describes it like this. As, Let us draw near to God. Now, my wife, Deb, and I have been married for a long time. In fact, we, we have been married twice as long as, that, as we were single. I met when we were born. So the time that we were born to the time we got married is half of what we are experiencing now. And we have lived a, life, a lot of life together. Uh, kids and careers and mortgages and a lot of uh, what do you want for dinners. One thing that I've always enjoyed, we've always done together is we, we drive a lot. We, we go whenever we can. We get in our car. We go visit family. When we were in college, we would leave on a Friday night, drive 400 miles to Minnesota, stay there on Saturday, and after church on Sunday, we'd get back in the car and drive 400 miles back to college. I drive and Deb reads aloud to us. And we do that almost every Sunday morning when we're headed to the Michigan District Nazarene Churches. 3,500 miles we've averaged every single month since we've taken this job. We typically enjoy our time together in the car. And one thing that I always know, if I reach out to my wife's hand while we're traveling down the road, she will always take it, always receive it. When she's frustrated with me or or tired or, or just in another zone, if I reach out and touch her hand, I draw close to her, she always responds, almost always responds. And this is true for God. He's waiting to respond to us. To, uh, to His presence. As Christ followers, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. We are traveling together with the Spirit. And when we reach out, He's always responsive, revealing Himself to us through His Word, in our thoughts, even through our circumstances. And as the song goes, even when we don't feel it, He's still working. Let us go right into the very presence of God with sincere hearts, fully Trusting Him. James says it like this in chapter 4, verse 8. Draw near to God and He will draw near to you. The second thought in this passage is this. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope. What is this hope that the author is referring to? One commentator calls the hope the purity of the law, that the, the purity that the law could not produce. The hope that we have as believers is this purity that God has called us to that the law never helped us to acquire. The hope of the law was for us to live as God intended, and God intended for us to be holy. And what the law was powerless to do, the Scripture tells us that God did by His Spirit. Our hope is our holiness. Not by our efforts, but by the action of the One who calls us to be holy. So God has called us to come in close. 
to draw near. He's told us to hold on to this hope, this hope of holiness that He has called us to, this promise that He has given to us that we could actually live the way He intended for us to live. We can reflect His character to the world that's around us. And the third thing in this passage that, that the author says is that we can be, uh, God can be trusted to keep His promise. Peter refers to this passage when he is preaching the sermon at Pentecost. I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, on all people, young and old, uh, men and women, Jews and Gentiles, everyone. And there are thousands and thousands of other promises in Scripture. Uh, And the Bible tells us, Paul tells us in Corinthians, they are all yes in Christ Jesus. So what are some of those promises? God promises to be with us always. God promises to never forsake us. He promises to light our path and to give us times of rest. He promises to provide for us and to love us no matter what and to strengthen us and uphold us with His righteous right hand. In the book called All the Promises of the Bible, the author Herbert Locklear says that there are 7,147 promises of God to man in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. You can trust God to keep His promise. And one promise is this. He will give us everything we need for life and godliness. In first, our second Peter chapter one, verse three, it says, by his divine power, God has given us everything for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to him, to know him, the one who has called us to himself by the means of his marvelous glory and excellence. God has invited us to trust that he will keep his promise. And one of the promises he makes to us is that the character he invites us to, this holy character he invites us to, he will empower us to experience that. Now let's, uh, let us think of ways to motivate one another, the author goes on. He says, God has given us everything in this community of holy friends. We have this connection with one another that helps us to be the people God's called us to be. Another translation says that God has given us an inheritance among those who are being sanctified, those who are being set apart, those who are living this life of holiness that God has called us to. Our holiness is a partnership with God and with one another. Together we share the same same inheritance. God has invited us to be what He's made us to be. And anything less is less than what God intended. So then he goes on to say, let us not neglect meeting together like this. We draw near to God and we, as we draw near to one another. Like Peter said on the Mount of Transfiguration, it is good for us to be here in this place. And I think as I'm standing here at the family camp at Indian Lake, uh, it is good for us to be in this place. Even good for us to be on, in this place by way of the, the, uh, the podcast, the, um, the webcast. There's something supernatural when God's people get together. What if holiness was less about a list of rules and more about a transformational encounter with the Spirit of Christ, together with His believers? As Reuben Welch once said, a Nazarene prophet at Point Loma Nazarene University, someone I would describe as the sage of the church, he said, we really do need each other. A new friend of mine that I've met recently, a district superintendent in Northern California, he says these words, Holiness is not doing more, but rather drawing closer. 
What motivates us to live a holy life? Traditions? Rules? Standards? Expectations? Often that's the case. But God calls us to obey. And God promises to help us live in obedience to His Holy Spirit. As we submit, He empowers. A few weeks ago, Deb and I hosted a party at our house. We had all the uh, people who are going to be ordained in the, in the, the Michigan district uh, you know, on Sunday night to uh, our home to, uh, to share a meal together and to get to know one another and talk and pray together and make some plans for uh, the ordination service. And one of the things that we did during that evening is we played a game. It's called Name That Doctrine. I know that that sounds kind of ridiculous, and it felt probably like a test to these ordination candidates who were seated around the, the, the deck there uh, trying to answer the questions. But I said, I don't know if you're familiar with the game Name That Tune. Uh, you make a bid. I can name that tune in five notes. And, and someone says, well, I can name that tune in three notes. So our game was called Name That Doctrine. I know it sounds like great party games at the Dernus house. But uh, uh, I can name that theology in how many sentences is what they were challenged to do. So I asked them about baptism. I said, how many sentences can you name that doctrine? And someone said, well, I can name that doctrine in four sentences. And someone else said, oh, I can name it in two sentences. And then some brave soul said, if I use commas, I can name it in one sentence. And they all had a chance to do that. But when I think about our doctrine of holiness... And I think about the phrase that I would use to describe the doctrine of holiness. This is the phrase that I would use. A surrender of empowered obedience. There's more than, than it's, that's, that's more, in essence, to, to sanctification than that. Be, be, understand me. But what if we understood sanctification, this call to holding a life, to be a surrender of empowered obedience? In Romans chapter 8, it tells us this, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit uh, who gives us life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if, you, but if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. To draw close to God. To draw near to God is this, this idea that, that I, I recognize that God is at work in my, in my life, that I am invited into His very presence, that I can hold on to the hope that He has called me to, this life of holiness, that I can uh, experience the, the promise keeper of God who says, I will do what I promise to you. And finally, we, we experience that together. We walk in that together, and it's good for us to be together according to Scripture. What if we understood what it meant to draw near to God? Instead of just doing more, we drew closer. And out of that closeness produced a life that represents the character of God. To draw near to God is to simply open our hearts to what has always been available to us. It is not that God withholds His presence from us. He never forces us to abide in Him either. But if we want to go our own way, He will willingly and patiently wait for us. And the moment we turn to Him, there is, He is there to fill us with a revelation of His loving nearness and the power to live in obedience. Holiness is not magic, but it's transformational. 
It is far less about the explosion than it is about a long, empowered obedience in the same direction. This morning while I was uh, going through my uh, devotions and then I was reading some news, I came across a story that, that caught my attention. It's a story about an Airbus 380. It's one of the uh, largest commercial airliners in the world. And it was headed uh, across the, the Atlantic Ocean uh, with more than 400 people as their passengers. It was flying constant, constantly at 500 miles an hour at 30,000 square feet. And then, out of nowhere, a Eurofighter with a Tempo Mark II appears. The pilot of the fighter jet slows down, flies alongside this big Airbus. He greets the pilots in the pass of, the, of the passenger plane on the radio. He said, Airbus, boring flight, isn't it? Now, have a look here, he says. And he rolls his jet on its back and accelerates and breaks through the sound barrier. He rises rapidly to a dizzying height and swoops down almost to sea level uh, to, to in a death, or breathtaking dive. He loops around back to the Airbus and said, how was that? And the Airbus pilot replies on the radio, very impressive. But watch this, he says. And the jet pilot watches the Airbus. But nothing happens. It continues to fly straight at the same speed. And after about 15 minutes, the Airbus pilot gets on the radio and says, Well, how was that? Confused, the jet pilot asks, What did you do? He said, Well, I got up and I stretched my legs. I walked to the back of the aircraft and I used the restroom. And then I got a cup of coffee and a, a chocolate fudge pastry. Both airlines were flying across the Atlantic in two different experiences. One showy and one steadfast. And the reality is there's a place for both. Holiness is not more, but it's closer. It's not more efforts on our part, but a closer intimate connection to the Spirit. Abiding in the Spirit, Jesus referred to it as, which results in more characteristics of a holy life. When we abide, our lives are a reflection of the character that God has called us to. In my daily reading this week, I was reading a, 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 a devotional by a man named Dennis Kenlaw, one of my favorite authors and a great preacher in his day. And he says these words, When our spirit and our purposes are one with the spirit of Christ, then our full potential is realized. When we are fully controlled by God, then the very authority of Jesus, who declared that all authority has been given to him, is present and at work in us through the Holy Spirit. Over the next few days at family camp, Pastor Mark Fuller is going to unpack this more and more in our evening sessions. And you can hear these services on the Michigan District YouTube channel. I invite you to join us. And even if you're not here on the campgrounds, you can enjoy, uh, join us through YouTube. Let us pray together as we finish this service this morning. Lord, I thank you that I get a chance to draw near to you. I thank you for the invitation that you have given to me to draw near. I thank you that Jesus, our great high priest, made a way for me to get to know you, to enter into the very holy space. And even though my sin has been great, 
Your mercy and grace are so much more. When I could not reach up to you because of my weakness, because of my sin, because of my rebellion, you reached down to me by sending Jesus. Father, I thank you. I thank you for the idea that we can literally come into your presence. Years ago, it was simply the, the high priest. It could only happen at a temple or even at a synagogue. We are so grateful that we can access you anytime, any place. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. I would not be able to see how to draw near to you if it were not for the Spirit of Christ living in me. Your Spirit draws me. Your Spirit calls me. In the moments when I may not even feel like drawing close to you, I surrender to an empowered obedience. I pray that you will help my life to reflect your character, not by me simply doing more, but by me allowing your spirit to live through me. Empower my obedience to a holy life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it is great to be with you. And if you could sneak away from your assignments wherever you're living today, then I invite you to come and join us at the lake for one of our services in the evening. If you could get away, we'd love to welcome you here. But may God bless you, and may His power and give you the strength to live the life He's called you to live. In Jesus' name, God bless you. It's good to be with you today. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.